0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorge's.org. A very warm welcome to you to St. George's Church, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's, and happy Veterans Day. Are there any vets in the congregation? You don't have to stand, but we just want to say thank you for your service and uh, uh, grateful for all that you've done for this country. Um, But I do want to focus in on uh, kind of where we're going as a church, liturgically speaking, and and with the lectionary. Uh, Instinctively, everything we see tells us uh, that... um, it tells us that everything's in a circular kind of motion, if you will, such as the seasons. You have spring, summer, fall, winter. Spring, summer, fall, winter. You know, days and nights, and everything seems to be circular and constantly moving. Dawn, day, dusk, night, dawn, day. The planets, they orbit in a circular motion. The moon revolves in a circular motion. And indeed, the idea of a circular motion circular events of life has shaped the teaching of natural religions such as paganism and hinduism in circular systems there's actually no end in circular systems talk to any real hindu there is no judgment day there's no end Things just keep repeating themselves over and over and over and over again. And we can make sacrifices to ensure that the eighth time around maybe goes better than the seventh. However, there's no end. Christianity, however, teaches something completely different. The Christian tradition, the Christian religion, teaches that life is, unlike a circle, more like an arrow moving towards a target There's a clear beginning and a definitive end. And because there's an end, judgment is built into the equation. From the moment the arrow is pulled from the quiver, put on the string, and flying through the air, everything is building up to it hitting that target. And this is the same understanding of Christianity through time. Everything is building up and moving towards the end judgment day. We confess this in our creeds. We believe he will come again to judge both the living and the dead. And this is my first point. One of the main ideas of this parable is that life just isn't going to go on forever. Rather, just as there is a beginning, so shall there be an end. And at the end, there shall be a judgment day. Now, when you begin to talk about the end, when you begin to talk about Judgment Day in today's society, polite society, from a biblical perspective, it can make people feel a little awkward. It can make people feel a little nervous, because clearly, according to the Bible, as illustrated in this parable, there will be some folks brought into the wedding banquet, the wise bridesmaids, and those left out, the foolish bridesmaids. And as much as I'd like to be so, the Bible doesn't endorse universalism. Now, you'll hear me say this over and over and over again whenever I teach on the parables. Parables are not fables. Fables usually are earthly illustrations with a moral imperative at the end. Parables, on the other hand, are earthly illustrations of heavenly truths how things actually are, and how they're going to work out in a divine sense. However, this parable, more than any of the others that Jesus teaches, is often confused as a fable. Oh my gosh, don't want to be a foolish bridesmaid, do you? Better be a wise one. Keep awake. Make sure your lamps are trimmed, everybody. You know, Make sure you have gas for your Ford. Keep you trucking for the Lord. And we confuse, we confu- we've we all heard that song, it's terrible. But, uh, and, we, and we confuse this parable for a fable because it's extremely contextual to first century Jewish weddings. However, everyone listening would have picked up Jesus' profound teaching. They would have plugged their kids' ears and picked up on Jesus' teaching. And I hope to illustrate the meaning of this to you today, because it's a little racy, but it, it, it t- teaches us something. So typically a bride and groom in those days were betrothed a year before the wedding. There was a contract between the father's or the groom and the bride's father. And during this time, this year's time, it was the bridegroom's job to prepare a place for his beloved. You begin to see how all of these apocalyptic illustrations that you see in the Bible relate on a profound level to first century Jewish weddings. But it was his job to go and prepare a place for his beloved and then he would return To make her his wife. There was no starving artist living off of love in those days. You know, if you wanted to get married, you better have a place prepared for the bride. However, the groom could show up earlier if the place was prepared beforehand. And oftentimes, young men excited about getting married, especially the wedding night, uh, would prepare that place rather quickly. And he would show up to the to the bride's home, and the town would cry out to the unexpected bride's family: "Behold, the bridegroom comes!" And this was an exhilarating time for the village. Everybody get gussied up and you know excited, and because this was a whole town, a village affair, and the bride and the groom would be joined, and they'd usually be taken back to the father of the of the groom's home, where they would be taken back to the place that was prepared. And the vows were exchanged. This is where a lot of the, you know, the, the Jewish tradition today of the chuppah comes from. But uh, there they would exchange their vows in the place that was prepared. And after the vows were exchanged, the wedding party would all go outside, including the bridesmaids, and the marriage would be consummated. And then after that, the groom would return. And the guests would shout out again, exhilarated and excited for the whole thing. They would say, Behold, the bridegroom comes! And everyone would return in to celebrate the wedding banquet for several days. The party would go on for several days. Now here's the thing with this parable. This bridegroom in our parable today, he takes his time. This was a daytime wedding... And he returns at midnight. This is some R. Kelly and Boys to Men stuff going on. But uh, but but here's what happens. Don't get distracted. See, this is what happens. People read this parable, and they get distracted by who brought oil flasks with them, and who didn't. And it all gets thrown on you and what you need to be doing. Because the point, actually, that's being made here, take a look at the parable, the point is, is that the bridesmaids... They all lost their wedding banquet excitement, didn't they? They all, the wise and the foolish, they all fell asleep. And this is my second point. Wise and foolish here does not connotate an inerrant quality of righteousness. This is to show that everybody's on the same playing field. They were all going to a daytime wedding. If anything, the wise must have appeared completely neurotic and obsessive because they show up with extra oil flasks. The point is, both the wise and the foolish fell asleep. Don't let that pass over you. Because who here hasn't fallen asleep to their faith? I mean, we've been in the last days for 2017 years or so. It's a long time. And your job is just so busy. You have children now and you're just so busy. You're in a new relationship now and you're just so busy. And your faith, your expectancy for the bridegroom has sort of waned. I think busy is the word we'd use as New Yorkers who've fallen asleep. And I count myself amongst the guilty. I'm just so busy all the time. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Now it's on. And everyone is shaken out of their business. Everyone wakes up. This is the end of the age. When the bridegroom has claimed his bride and the biggest and best wedding reception, the universe... Has ever known, is about to get started. There is going to be one heck of a chicken dance going on on the dance floor. And those foolish bride maids, what happens? They begin to scramble. Give us some of your oil, they ask the wise ones. This is another reason why this is not a fable calling you to be wise virgins. If you read the text, the wise virgins are terrible evangelists. They send the foolish ones shopping at night when all the stores are closed. It's a terrible idea. Everything closes at five here. What made these five bridesmaids foolish is that they did not recognize the character of the bridegroom. So they took matters into their own hands. They trusted in themselves and their own justification Look at all the busy things I'm doing. I got it together. They trusted in themselves in their own justification instead of trusting in the bridegroom to provide all that they needed to enjoy this wonderful reception. They did not have faith in the bridegroom whom St. Paul describes in his letter to the Ephesians in whom we all have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavishes on us with all wisdom and understanding the foolish bridesmaids were foolish because they did not have faith they did not believe in the goodness and mercy of the bridegroom nevertheless despite that fact You and I may be asleep. We do believe in the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So wake up. This is my third point. We're awake. And how do we live in these last days? As we begin to nod off. We'll be watchful. Sober and alert. Do your jobs and live your lives. Serve your neighbors. Hear the word. Receive holy communion. Pray, praise. Give thankfully to the work of the ministry. Focused on the bridegroom, Jesus. Focused on his gospel, that he provides oil to all of us with empty lamps. Because when he returns, it will be sudden, it will be quick, and it will be without warning, appearing like that groom at midnight. But yet you, baptized into him, you trusting in him, hear me now. You will rise and you will greet him, and your lamps will be full of oil, and your wicks will be trimmed, and you're going to be ready to go be watchful, be sober, be ready. You don't know when this party's going to begin, but it's going to be amazing when it happens. Until then, enjoy the coffee and butter cookies. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, can make an online donation at calvaryst.george's.org/slash giving. Thank you.